If you guys have your Bibles, we get to start a brand new series. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, which is where we're going to be. And we are starting um, a conversation. I'm not even calling it a series. We're starting a conversation, and it, it's called the Not-So-Awkward Family. <laughs> Not so awkward family. So uh, what I want to do is, is um, I want to talk about over these next coming weekends in this conversation, I want to talk about family. I mean, uh, there's so many reasons why we can. Uh, we're going to talk about family secrets, and we're going to talk about family roles, and we're going to talk about family plans, and we're going to talk about uh, being the family of God and what that, what that says to us and how that plays out. And so this morning, I want to start out by asking you a very serious question. You ready for it? Do you ever feel like you grew up in an awkward or strange family? Right? I don't think this needs a whole lot of narration. Um, there's a, uh, uh, it's, yeah. Um, it, nothing portrays the awkward family like photo albums, right? And, and, and family photos. And, and uh, maybe, maybe they're doing some mission work or something like that. I'm not sure um, what's happening in that picture. But, but, uh, but, but family photos reveal a lot of things, don't they? Family pictures, they reveal a whole lot of things. Sometimes it reveals our parenting flaws, Right? Um, we, you know, social service, we've got to be careful. Don't hang your child from wood. Um, so we probably don't want to do that. Uh, but sometimes it also reveals kind of history. And so, you know, there's that ex-boyfriend or the ex-girlfriend that we don't want to have in the picture. So we just cut it out. We like the picture. We like the scenery, but we just, we're just going to, you know, snip it out. Some, sometimes we, uh, it reveals our um, overly involved helicopter parents, right? Okay, mom, this isn't your moment. It's not, it's not, doesn't belong to you. Um, but okay, all right, sure. Um, sometimes it, uh, it's dad trying to get creative at Christmas. Honey, I'm gonna hold the baby up. I'm gonna hold him up. Okay, all right, take the picture behind the screen. All right, uh, some, some pictures are just too embarrassing to reveal to other people that we know. Now, now what's great is, is I, I, we were able to get the staff involved in this. Okay, we're super excited about how the staff got involved and, and so, uh, so this morning, you know, so like a memory from Audra, take, take her and her fashion choices. You know, we're super excited about her fashion choices um, that, uh, that sometimes we get to share. Or, or, you know, sometimes Manny, he always loves to be the center of attention and he's up here all the time. And so we have a picture of him, you know, all the family's looking at Manny. You know, it's just all eyes on Manny. Look at, look at Manny. Hi. Manny, good to see you, bud. Um, sometimes we uh, reflect on that mother-daughter moment, those glamour pictures, remember? So we have Lynette and Denise kind of sharing their, their, their journey here. We're very excited about that, that special, special journey uh, that they got to experience. And then, then we have uh, our, the movie lover on, on the staff, uh, you know, Larry. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, who, who are you going to call, all right? Um, uh, Ghostbusters, great, cool. Um, but then we have the true animal lover on the team. Let's be honest. Uh, the true animal lover on the team is Roy. And um, we're, we're really excited that he just loves animals. And, um, <laughs> but then this is, this, is my, this is truly my family. Uh, this is my awkward family. Um, and, uh, and we got the two, we got the two twins here. Now, uh, interesting thing about that is, is I got spanked right before this picture. Um, and, um, uh, because I didn't want to wear the hockey shirt that I'm currently wearing right there. And I also didn't want to wear the green pants with the sandals and socks. Okay. So I was pretty, I was pretty upset about that as you can see on, on my face. Um, but yeah, Ooh, choice selection of clothes, um, are, are a little bit rough. Here's the, here it is. The question about whether or not our family is awkward is kind of a rhetorical question because if we think hard and long enough, and we're honest enough, I mean, our families are all a little bit strange, a little bit awkward, you know, a little bit, a little bit off. You know, we got that uncle that we just don't want to talk about or that, that aunt or, or those, those secrets. Uh, you know, my mom would always say, this is a family secret, you know, share this with it. You know what I'm saying? And so there's family secrets and there's all kinds of things. Um, but awkward would suggest, the word awkward suggests something that's out of place. So sometimes we feel like we are a little bit out of place. But when all families, let's be honest, when all families are a little bit awkward, really no one is, 
right? If everyone's awkward, then we're all in the same boat. We just choose to think that our family just sticks out like a sore thumb. And, uh, and the truth is, is if you're sitting, sitting there going, Joel, I don't have an awkward or strange family, then you might want to check about who in the family they're actually talking about because it may be you. All right. Just saying. So why am I bringing this question up now? Why are we talking about the family? Well, if you notice that in the fall, conversations begin to happen, right? Conversations begin to happen. We begin to talk about family. We begin to talk about um, providing for our family, providing for our children. We begin to talk about schedules needed for the family, needed for our children. We begin to talk about schooling for our family, for our children. We begin to talk about the holiday schedule needing to be laid out for our family. We begin to talk about uh, the things that we need to teach or instruct for our family, for our children. It's just, it's on our mind. And, and God, I feel like, led myself and our staff as we began to pray about where God wanted us to go um, to have this conversation to say, let's just talk family for a little bit. I mean, we came out of this, this, this journey of, of talking about rhythms of life. Let's just talk about family for just a couple minutes and find out what does God have to say about family. And specifically you parents, I want to talk to you a little bit. This isn't excluding anybody, but, but, but parents, this is kind of on, on, needs to be on your radar, and especially where I think God wants us to go this morning. And so if you guys have your Bibles, I want to look at Luke chapter 1 starting in verse 57 through 66, and look at how God wants to encourage us and help us to win in some regard as families and Christ followers of the Most High God. So let's look this morning in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 57, at a not-so-awkward family and how it can encourage us this morning. Look at verse 57 with me. It says this, When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone, they all rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony, and they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is going to be John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. So he motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Heavenly Father, we invite you to be here. This time belongs to you. Lord, it doesn't belong to us. And I pray, God, that we would steward these, this moment um, as obediently as possible. Holy Spirit, if, would you move? Would you change my heart, change our hearts to be more like you, to be more in love with you, to, to, see, to see what kind of family we really are a part of, despite the earthly family we've been even brought into. God, thank you for your truth. Would it align us with your heart, align us with your passions, and help us to see and fall more in love with you today than we did yesterday or the day before. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me give you a little bit of background about this particular chapter and this particular verses we just read. When you look at Luke chapter 1 at the beginning of the chapter, you'll discover there's a couple people that come on the scene. First, you'll, you'll, you'll learn that Herod is king of Judea. And there's a couple that's mentioned. It's Zechariah and Elizabeth. And both of them are part of the priestly line. In fact, Elizabeth is actually a descendant from Aaron. Now, Zechariah was a priest. And this priest was on a team of other priests. And the priests in that day, they would actually have like this rotation set up. Okay, just like, almost like volunteers, you kind of get on this rotation. Well, his rotation to serve in the temple was coming up. Now, one thing that you need to know about uh, another thing mentioned in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life is that they did not have any children. So Zechariah, 
They were a couple married for a very long time, living out their life, and they, uh, they were part of the priestly line. And one of the things that God said about them is, is that they were righteous in the eyes of the Lord. As a matter of fact, it's, it, says, uh, it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. And so, uh, I mean, if there was a picture of someone that was doing it right, living, living right, here was Zechariah and Elizabeth. And, and so Zechariah, his team got called into uh, to his priestly duties. So this group of priests come to the temple, and what they do is, is they are all given these specific jobs, and they actually kind of sort of cast lots to determine who does what. Well, Zechariah got called to deal with the altar of incense. Now, I don't have time to talk about the temple. I, I, one day we will because it is fantastic. But when you talk about the temple... On, on the Temple Mount, you see this massive building, okay? And when you walk in through its massive front doors, you would see a couple items. On the right, you would see a table of showbread with 12 pieces of, 12 loaves of bread. On the left, you would see what's called the menorah. And those light, the, the light is always burning. And then directly in front, you would see what was called the altar of incense. Now the incense represented the prayers of God's people. So, it was important that every single day that altar was continuing to burn. So one of the um, duties of the priest would be coming in and making sure that that altar of incense is, is kind of refreshed and you've got exactly what it needs in order to continue to burn. And when these duties were being, you know, were happening, large collections of people would collect, uh, would literally be outside and they'd be doing what? They'd be praying. They'd be pleading to God. So there's this large collection of people. Zechariah is doing his duties. He's working on the altar of incense. And then uh, all of a sudden, God shows up. <laughs> God shows up. This incredible angel up from the Lord comes up just, just to the right of this altar. And immediately, you can imagine, all of a sudden, Zechariah, is he's shaken. He is fearful. He's like, oh my goodness. Well, this angel then looks at this guy named Zechariah and says, hey man, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm here for a specific reason. I'm here because the Lord has heard your prayer. And their prayer between he and his wife were, God, give us a child. God, give us a child. And so this angel was sent to deliver them this message that, hey, you're going to have a child. And you know what? This child is not going to be an ordinary child. He is going to be a very special child that God is going to use in special ways. And oh, by the way, you're going to name him John. You're going to name him John. Wow. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name him John. And so, um, so in that moment... The, uh, the first thing, I mean, well, let me, let me first say this. When you get a message from the Lord confirming an answer to your prayers, being, um, I've been praying maybe my whole life for a child, for a child. And all of a sudden God answers and he goes, and you're going to have a baby boy and his name's going to be John. All of a sudden, you know what, as a dad, if, if there's dads in here and your first child or, or one of your children was a boy, man, there's something that, that jumps in here. Like there's something that, that all of a sudden comes out. Like I immediately, when, when I heard not only that my wife um, was with child, but I heard that our first, um, firstborn child was going to be a son, I, my mind started like spinning. Like I started having all these thoughts like, man, what, first of all, what's he going to be like? I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm going to hang out with him. I'm going to spend time with him. And, and you know what, I'm going to, you know, and I have all these different thoughts. And so, so maybe John, maybe Zechariah was having these thoughts about John, but, but then all of a sudden, John, let's be honest, he asks a very dumb question. So, okay. The angel goes, Hey, I'm from the Lord. He's heard your prayer. You're going to have a son. His name's John. Glory to be, glory be to God. This was Zechariah's first question. How can I be sure this will happen? Like that, I, I don't know about you, but if I, if I saw an angel in, in my midst, standing there, this like, 
like this incredible creation of God standing. They're very powerful, by the way, very powerful. I mean, there's, there's cases of angels slaughtering 40,000 plus people in a night. I mean, this, like, these are powerful creations. And, and he comes before him and he delivers a message and he goes, are you sure? Is this going to happen? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and so this angel decides to introduce himself and he goes, um, I'm Gabriel. And, and if you don't, Gabriel is one of the archangels and there's like these, they office different. There's this hierarchy of angels or whatever. And, and he's up there. Okay. Let's just say that he's up there and, and, and he, he comes and he delivers this message. He goes, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Really? You, you're going to ask? I mean, as for him, I, the, I mean, I can't think of if I'm Gabriel, I'm going, are you serious right now? You're asking me this question? I mean, I just came yeah, from the throne room of God and he gave an answer and this is where we are. Anyway, so Gabriel, Gabriel goes, oh, okay, because of your unbelief, I'm going to shut your mouth. I'm going to shut your mouth until it's completely fulfilled. And that's what happened. So Zechariah could not speak at all. So he comes outside because he had, he'd been in there for a while. He comes outside and the people saw that he had some sort of experience with God because he could no longer speak. He was just making gestures. Well, he finishes at, and he finishes out his time there, but he goes home and he, he sleeps with uh, Elizabeth, his wife, and she conceives. She has a child. She, she is a child. And this, this woman, Elizabeth, it just said she just saw this precious woman saw the kindness of God in that moment. Just this beautiful picture. And so that's where we, we kind of begin. But, but let me give you this idea for a second. Parents, let's just talk for a second. We all have a plan for our lives, right? We do. And we have, not only have a plan for our lives, we have a plan for our children's lives. We have the family plan, okay? We have a family plan that we have, that we have kind of laid out. And I think that, that maybe in this moment, Zechariah had a family plan when he was told that he's going to have a son. Oh, great. He's going to walk in my footsteps. He's going to be a priest just like me. He's going to wear priestly garments and, and I'm going to show him all the ins and outs of how to do this job. And, and you see what's happening? Zechariah is beginning to lay out his vision for his son in that moment. And he's got this plan and he wants to see it laid out in a very beautiful way. And if it works out that way, then yes, absolutely. This is awesome. And, and I'm going to model to him. And, and oh, by the way, dads, we get to choose our son's own name. I don't want someone else naming my son. So let's, let's, let's turn this into to us. I want my son or my child to be an incredible athlete. I want my son or my daughter, I want them to be successful. I want them to be brilliant. In fact, I, I, I know exactly what they're going to be when they grow up. I, they're going to be a doctor. They're going to be a lawyer. They're going to be a physician. They're going to be, they're going to be whatever. And they're going to go to college and they're going to go to grad school. And they, I've got all these plans. And, and, and you know what? They are, um, they are going to marry the person that mom and dad choose. And you know what, you know what, I, I, I want them to follow the Lord, but they're not going to be missionaries because that's dangerous. I'm not going to do mission. I'm not going to pray that for you. Okay. All right. Uh, not missionaries. And, and, and speaking to that same thing, that means that they're going to live in town all their life close to us. Right. See, we have this vision of what we want. So we have this laid out plan and you know what? We don't want our children to suffer. And we don't want them, uh, we don't want them to, to have any downfalls. And so we sometimes, we want to, we want to step in and, and block all these wounds that could potentially come their way. And we want them to be obedient in every way. So here's what we do. We end up putting on display, display our plan into our kids' lives. Now, can I just say as a parent, I, n no one here, I, and I think I, I can speak forever, no one has this malicious plan to somehow, some way outdo God. No one has this malicious plan to say, I'm going to do it. No, God, uh, I, I don't think we're, I don't think Zechariah is there and I don't think we're there. I think we truly want what's best for our family. We want what's best for our children. And I think it comes from a good place. 
But sometimes these displays that we offer may not be what God originally intended for your son or your daughter. See, and there's a problem with this sometimes. See, there's a couple different displays that I I just want to put in front of us here because I think they're important. Sometimes we put this display, this plan in front of our children and we enact it with absolute precision and we lay it out and we, we put constructs and we put um, discipline around all this kind of stuff. And, and so one of these displays that I think sometimes we offer um, or some of these displays can offer unintended consequences. So take, for example, the display of performance. And the performance, performance suggests that, that it is more important to perform than offering them unconditional love. So if we're not careful, if we're not careful, moms, dads, um, we can create an environment that says, um, you have to earn my love. You have to earn my affection. In fact, you have to earn my attention. Again, I don't think we don't start there. I don't think maybe even we, we would say that out loud, but all of a sudden this environment, your son, your daughter that's coming up as you are trying to raise them as best as you can, all of a sudden, and, and, and can I just say this? You are laying the groundwork for how they will one day interact with God the Father. See, earthly dads, you are a model and an example of what one day they will see the heavenly Father as. So if you create this structure of performance around them, like you have to earn my affection. Oh, I mean, and you know this when all of a sudden they didn't do something up to your standards. Hmm. All of a sudden you almost withdraw from your son or daughter. And can I, can I say I'm, not, I'm preaching to the choir. This is hard for this dad. This isn't just to, this isn't just to you. In fact, I was very broken while even preparing for this because it revealed a lot of things in my own life and my own heart that I would have rather not have looked at. When we create this this display of performance, maybe in our family, all of a sudden they go, this is what ends up happening. It makes our children believe that God's love is earned, not given. When when the performance, no, you got to live up to this, Joel. You got to live up to this, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk this path. You gotta get, the, and, and even if you don't have children, sometimes we place this in our own life. Maybe we are the child that grew up in that environment, so we think that way. So it's all about performance, and we wonder why our children think they have to earn God's love rather than know that it is freely given, because mom and dad, we never freely gave it to our own children. Again, this is hard for me. I think some of the other displays that we offer is one of the image. And the image suggests this, it's that image or appearance is more important than authenticity and integrity. Meaning, let me say it this way, it's, it's hide your dirty laundry. Don't show that. I mean, it's like frozen all over, conceal, don't feel, right? All right? It's like that, it, it, it's hide your dirty, don't show that. My mom grew up in an environment where, the, where literally my grandmother would say this to my mother. We don't show that. We put our best foot forward. We put our best outfit on. This is who we, this is who we are. And so we create this, this facade. Hey, fake it till you make it. Doesn't matter what they know about you. It's what, what you've shown them. That's more important. It's what you've demonstrated. It's, it's what you want them to know about you. That's what's, that's what, that's what matters. It's what you say. It's, it's become who you need to be rather than who maybe you were created to be. Now what this does, what this does is this tells, I, this means this, I can tell God verbally that I love him and never give him my heart. That's the environment it creates. See, I, I'm going through the motions, God. I'm checking all the boxes. I am, I've got my image. I'm not showing uh, all these other weaknesses. I'm not doing anything like that. I, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is where I'm at. And then we wonder why our children want nothing to do with God. We wonder why we don't want anything to do with God. It's because mom and dad, we're, we're, we're setting the stage. It creates confusion in the hearts of our children. When we, when we head that direction. The third display, I think, is a do-over. Listen, I, I want my children to do better than me. And I believe you want that for your children as well. 
You want that for your own life. I, I want to do better than the way that I started. I want to, and so what we sometimes do, and we may not even intentionally do it, is we try to vicariously try to fix or repair different things in our children's lives. We, we live out their life for them. So what happens is, is, is it communicates to our children that my life as a dad is, is one to be, excuse me, as a child, that my life as a child is one to be used rather than lived. I'm going to live out my life through you. See that? I don't care about your dreams. I don't, I don't care about what, yeah, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see the plan that I have for you. And trust me, just trust me, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Again, all comes from a good place. We want to see this begin to happen. And so we try to fix our failures and we kind of try to fix our flaws and we try to live out our dreams instead of our children's dreams. We fulfill our fantasies through their eyes and lives of our children. But the problem with this is it robs our children of even the thought that they have a special and unique calling in their life. And can I just say right now, every child and adult has a unique calling on their life. Every single one of us, every single child, even sitting here this morning, you have a unique calling in your life. And, and one of the things about all these, all these displays is, is, is we just, we just want to know that we're loved. And you're like, well, Joel, yeah, I, I love my kids. Yeah, but, but he, can I just, can I, uh, this, is just, this is just me being around a lot of different parents and struggling with different things that I've struggled in my own life. Parents, stop assuming that your children know that you love them and open up your mouth and tell them. You need to tell them. Because you know why, dads? Here, here's the reality. Your, your daughter is getting her self-worth and her self-esteem from you. So how you doing? Are, do you understand that your, your daughter, uh, her a lot, much of her identity and how she sees herself, and this isn't just daughters, but this also pertains to sons, comes from us, dads. So you better love on them. You better tell them how beautiful they are and how unconditionally you love them. And you're like, well, Joel, that's, that's enabling them. That's, that's, no, no, listen to me, Okay. When you love them and you tell them that you love them, it is not a scapegoat or some sort of exoneration from sin. We think that. Well, if I love them, then they're thinking that they can get away with sin. No. It's not an exoneration from sin. There's still consequences. There's still things that go in. What it is, it creates a pathway to the Savior when you love them like that. And that's what we want. We want our kids to go to the Savior. That's where we want them to be. So sometimes when our kids walk through these displays, we find a disappointment. Look at verses 60 and 62. It says this. It says, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? So the neighborhood's around, all kinds of peer pressure. See, in that day, it was always customary for, uh, to use a family name. And specifically, it was a firstborn son to name that child after the father. It was very customary and very common. But all of a sudden, now, it's kind of awkward. No, his name's going to be John. What? What are you talking about? There is no one in your family by that name. So they use gestures to ask, okay, all right, you're just, you're just the wife here. Okay, John or Zechariah, what, what's his name going to be? So they gesture to, over to him. Can I ask you? When they're given a different vision from the Lord for their own life, does that sometimes hit you as disappointment? When your son or your daughter is given a different vision than what you had for them, a different plan than what you had in store for them, how does it make you feel? How does it make me feel? Does it get you mad? Does it get you angry? Does it get you frustrated? Does it, uh, when it goes outside our set plans and, and the structure and the, and the environment that we created around. No, you should do this. You should be this. I've, I've dotted every I. I've crossed every T. I saw all these things come to fruition in my mind. And all of a sudden, your son or daughter are turning out way different than you had initially planned. Are we better 
Are we better at leading our children to our feet rather than the feet of Jesus? Man, I had to repent. I had to repent. Matthew 19, 14. Jesus is having a conversation and he says this. He says, let the children come unto me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Is it possible that I'm that hindrance? Are we that hindrance sometimes from our, uh, from our children finding the right position in life? Finding that place before Jesus Christ that they ought to be? Because we have such a, another plan that actually in mind for them? I mean, <laughs> we never intended to do that. We never meant to go there. And yet sometimes that's what ends up happening. See, whatever happened, whatever happened to just, to just loving our children. And again, I'm not, hear me. I'm not saying any of us are, are, are planning or maybe you're, you're like, Joel, this is, this is great. But, but what I'm, what I'm saying right now is, is what happened to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Here's what we do. We say that to ourselves. We say that to our neighbors. We say that to the ones around us. But when it comes to our children, we almost want them to lean on us more than Jesus. That's really hard. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Sometimes we want to place that trust in mom and dad with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge us, and we'll direct your path. We'll lay that out for you. No problem. We got it. And again, we don't intend to do that. I don't intend to do that. But sometimes I do that, and I have to repent because I don't want my children at my feet. I want them at the feet of Jesus. That's where I want them. That's where I need them. Because if you and I know anything about this life and about this world is that I cannot fix my life, I cannot fix my beautiful wife's life, and I definitely can't fix my three beautiful children's lives. I can't do it. It's not in me. I don't have the capability. So why don't I start believing in the same truth for my children that I would believe for myself and anyone else? It's almost like some, we, we create a different set of rules. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I, Paul, planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. See, God's going to make your children grow in the way he desires for them, what he wants for them, for your own life. And even if you don't have children, this is just you. God is making you grow in a specific way so that he gets the glory and he gets a hold of your heart. Those are the things he's always after. His glory and your heart. And so he will cause you to grow down paths. It may be uncomfortable. It may not be what you envision for them. Um, it may be all these different things. You know, I was thinking about it. Zechariah couldn't talk because he actually uh, didn't trust and was unwilling to really, I think, listen to the Lord. He didn't trust what the Lord said. Is it possible, moms, dads, that you don't have a voice in the life of your children because the only voice that they hear is yours and not the Lord's? I, I had to ask that question. Is because my, my children turn me off is because all they hear is just mom and dad speaking over them what they want rather than what God wants for them. God, forgive me. I don't want to be that. God, would they hear your voice? Would they see your face? Would they understand your embrace and your love? Would that be what is, what's first? Because only at that place, and when we, are, when we go to before the Lord on our knees, will our children follow suit and understand what is most important in life. They see the position on the knees that they need to find. Listen, does our, do we get confused sometimes? Our disappointment actually might be God's will and plan for your child's life. It might be. And so we end up becoming the greatest hindrance to what God wants to actually see happen in their life. I don't want that 
for you. I don't want that for me. So here's the promise. Here's the promise. Luke chapter one, verses 63 through 64. This is what it says. It says, he motioned, he being Zechariah, he motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprised, he wrote, his name is John. His name is John. Do you recognize what that actually, this, this, this moment actually represented? It represented that God, it's not my plan. It's yours. That's what, that's what that meant. God, this is, uh, I want this for my child and I want this for my daughter and I want this for my son and I want to see, I want to see all these things happen, but I want to push all that aside so that your name can be written on his life rather than mine. That he remember, they remember your name before they remember mine. That they understand who you are even before I play a part in, the, in, in that. And, and I want, uh, this is what, this is what that represented when Zechariah finally pinned that word. His name is John. It was a representation of humility. It was a representation of repentance. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for not listening to you. Forgive me for not believing that you have a plan for my child's life, a plan for your life, a plan that I will see to fruition until the very end. And again, like I said, I believe Zechariah had every good intention, but good intentions are never a substitute for godly trust and obedience. Never. And look at what God did through John. See, this isn't just John. This is John the Baptist. See, John had the spirit of Elijah on him. Men turned their heart back to God because of what God could do in and through John. And here's the reality is, is God has a unique plan for all of your children's lives. He wants to put his name on the forehead and on the heart of each of your children. Stop being the hindrance, maybe the hindrance that God wants to actually, um, what he wants to actually do in the life of your child. He wants you to trust and lay them at the foot. We do what's called parent dedication. There's nothing, it doesn't save our children. It doesn't even save our parents. What it does is it says, God, I am writing my name. I'm writing your name for him on uh, whatever name you have for my son or for my daughter, whatever future you have for my son or my daughter, I will lead them and I will do everything I can to lead them to the foot of the cross. That's what, that's what that says. And in verse 66, it says, everyone who heard about it, they reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Look, uh, Proverbs 22 and 6 says this, train up a child on the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from me. So hear me when I say this. I am not telling you mom and dad to not be the influencer. So hear me. It's not what I'm saying this morning. I'm not telling you to not be the teacher and the disciplinarian. I am not telling you not to, to, to play that, that those in, in, intricate and detailed parts in your child's life that they need as they grow up. You need to be their parent before you, you, before you need to be their friend. You need to begin to walk with them in the right way and show them all the things of the Lord. But, but again, it has less to do about what we can actually put forward and how we can quickly push our children to the feet of Jesus. We're constantly discipling, constantly training them up in the way they should go. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. So what are you fighting? What are you fighting for? You, you fighting to give them your name or the name of Jesus? So what's then our role as parents? And I want to end on, on, on a good note here, okay? What's our role as parents? Not too long ago, I, I had read this passage to a couple of our other leaders. But Matthew 4, 19, I think gives us a, a pretty good model. Matthew 4, 19 says this. It says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Now, just for a moment, because I think it still applies, what if you replaced men with children? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of children. I'll help you catch your children. 
You know, and if you know anything about fishing, you know what it requires? It requires a couple things. It requires patience. Patience. A lot of waiting in, in fishing. There's a lot of waiting. Even though we want to we catch that fish right now. Oh, we want it. But just, just wait. Be patient. Walk the path that I have for you. Not only just be patient, but, but if he's teaching us how to fish, then you know what that means? He's also going to t- teach us when to cast. When do we cast that hook? When do we cast out for our children? He's going to show you when. He's actually going to show you even where to cast. Where do you cast in the life of your child? Uh, again, this is all patience. I'm going to show you exactly when to do it. I'm going to exactly show you where to do it. And, and you know what? Better yet, I'm going to actually show you how to do it. I'm going to show you how to cast for your children. And then First Thessalonians 5.17, I think this, this is part of this. It says, pray without ceasing. My mom and dad were asked several times, how did you have four boys? How did you have four boys that, uh, from a Marine Corps dad with no affiliation in ministry at all, how did you have four boys that actually went into ministry? And, mom and my mom and dad will answer the same way every single time, and they go, we don't know. <laughs> but you know what we did do? We got on our face every morning at 5 a.m., and we prayed by name for every need that we knew was going on in the hearts and lives of our children. That's all we could do. That's all they could do. And can I just say, that's not, that's not a, oh, that's all you have. No, that's the first choice. That's the right choice. That's the right step to see your children head in the direction towards the feet of Jesus. And then like Paul, like Apollos, They watered, they plant seeds, and that's what we do. But it was God who gave the increase. So just know when you actually are able to to catch that that son or that daughter in some regard, if I can can say it like that, um, it was because of God. It was because of the Lord. And, And can I just say, the longer the wait, a lot of the time, and the harder the cast, it's usually the bigger fish. It's usually the, the, all of a sudden you see something incredible happen in front of you. No one sets out to have an awkward family, right? No one sets out to do that. But I think sometimes we see it as awkward or weird because it doesn't line up with our expectations. It doesn't. Or how we envisioned our household or our marriage or, or anything like that. And you know what? Some of you right now have children that are wayward. And we'll use that word. They're in sin. They want nothing to do with you. The, the, the first words out of their mouth are, Mom and Dad, I hate you. I hate you. I don't want anything to do with you, mom and dad. Can, can I just say, mom, dad, um, this is hard for us, but you're not the authors of their journey. You're not the authors of their story. You're not. And this is so hard for us. Because you can do everything right. Hear me. You can do everything right and still have a child that walks his own way. You know why? Because that child is on his own path. He's walking his own direction. She's walking her own direction. They're heading in the direction that they want to go. You can do it all right, so hear me. Sometimes we try to play the role of God, though. We try to play the role of God in their lives rather than pointing them to Him. Listen, God has an incredible plan for your child's life. And if you can, if we can move past our, this 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 position of performance, this position of image, this position of uh, uh, crafting this display that, that really um, we wouldn't actually offer even to our next door neighbor, but we create it for our children. If we're trying to push our, 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 our children to Jesus, we need to lay down some of our pride. We need to lay down what we want and ask what God wants for them. And then through patience, through casting the way that God wants you to, casting when, we wanna, when he wants us to cast and how he wants us to cast, and then pray uncontrollably for the lives and hearts of our children, then I believe Proverbs 22 will actually come to, to fruition. All of a sudden, train up a child in the way that it should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from thee. God, God is faithful and true to his word, but we have to trust him. This is, a, this, is, this is where Zechariah failed. He didn't trust what God said. 
He wants you to trust what he says. Look, when it came to the youngest black sheep of the family, the expectations were pretty low. Let's just, uh, I'm just, I'm talking about me, okay? The expectations were pretty low. They just, they just were. I was rebellious to the core. I wanted nothing to do with my mom and dad for a, a long season. I cussed like a sailor. I made up rhymes with cuss words. I mean, like, I'm just, I, I, I mean, I, this is who I was. I, I walked through years of battling sexual addiction. I walked through all kinds of things. I loved myself more than I loved God. And yet, for some reason, I'm standing in front of you today. And it had nothing to do. It had nothing to do with anything other than God had a plan for me. And I had a faithful set of parents that just had to say, he's yours. This is hard, but he's yours. He's yours. Because the reality is, is here's, here it is. That broken mess was who Jesus died for. Not, not the performance-driven child that I'm trying to create my son or daughter to be. Not the, not the image-oriented one. Not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to create them into something else because that's just that's a fake version of us. No, Jesus died for the brokenness and, and, and the journey that they're walking through. That's the child that he died for and wants to rescue and fix and draw into a deep, intimate relationship. But it takes us as parents being able to trust and believe that God is in control. A very wise woman, very, very wise woman, came up to me one day and she said, don't rob our children. Don't rob our children of their story that God wants them on. He has their best in mind better than you ever could. My wife said that. And I had to step back and I just had to believe that God was going to do something more than I could. And parents, as hard as that is, that's the right move. Just trust and believe that God is in control of your children's lives better than we are. And I promise you, I promise you, you will begin to see him move in ways you never thought possible. And for those that have kids that are already old and, and gone, he's not done with you yet as parents. My dad calls us, my brothers and I up every Monday morning and we get on a Zoom call and my dad still parents us. And I'm so grateful he does. You know why? Because I finally got to a point of where, wow, there's wisdom in that. It took me a long time but he finally brought me to that place. And I'm telling you, your faithfulness, it, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. It doesn't fall too far from the power of our almighty God. He can restore and redeem all things. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. I promise you, God's got a plan for all of our awkward families. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I... I want to read you Jeremiah 24, 7. This is what God says he'll do when we're, when we're faithful and we really trust him. This is what he says. He says, I will give them, I will give them, our children, us, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. What a promise. Mom, dad, what a promise. That our God is not done with us. And he's not done with you. So here's what I want to do right now. Maybe you're surround maybe you got your children next to you. Maybe you don't. That's okay. Maybe mom and dad you're sitting there together or maybe you're just by yourself here. Can I just ask you right now can right where you are in your seat. I just want you to take a moment. Dads, maybe you need to put your arm around your family. Moms, maybe you need to put your arms around your, around your family. Husbands, wives, maybe you need to put your arms around each other, whatever. And I want you to pray. I want you to pray like you've never prayed before. 
And I want you to ask God to do a work in your children's life that, you know what, we always seem to fail at doing sometimes because we're not the work that, 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 that actually produces anything in our children's lives. We're not the one. It is God alone that works in my life, God alone that works in my neighbor's life, and it's God alone that works in your children's life. We're going to trust and believe that our God will redeem all things, restore all things. And maybe there's some repentance that needs to take place. Not just repenting before the Lord, because we need to do that, but maybe it's repenting to mom. Maybe it's, it's repenting to your wife. Maybe it's repenting to your kids, saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I failed. Let them see the vulnerability of you, Dad. See, because the moment you offer that vulnerability is the moment that they see, wow, Dad needs Jesus just as much as I do. Maybe there's something to it. So right now, just take a moment right now and just pray over your family. Or pray for your family if you're there by yourself or whatever, or pray for each other. And, and, and you know what? Pray for your children by name. I just want you to, literally, we're gonna take one minute and, and I just want you to do that. Just pray for them by name. Do that right now. Father, I, I thank you that you're bigger than my failures. God, I thank you that you're bigger than, than all the plans that I had for my children. And I ask, Lord, that, that you would enact and you would bring my children down the path that you have for them. That they would be more comfortable coming to your feet rather than mine. That they would be, that they would be more obedient about seeing your name rather than wearing my name. God, I pray that, um, I pray, God, that our children would truly rise up and call you Lord one day. That we as parents, goodness, we need to, to rise up and, and declare you as Lord. Maybe that's, maybe that's the hindrance because they don't see anything about Jesus in our lives, Lord. So do we start today? It's not too late. We start today, you're a loving, uh, just, uh, you're a God that sees all, knows all, and, and nothing's so far gone. You specialize in the failures of man so that you can throw in your incredible grace and redemption in a way that, that, that we'll never understand. But you do it. So God, would you do that even here this morning?